Well, it's a new year, new you. Let's talk about God's transforming power. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, friends, to the new year. We are live again here on the line of fire. We play the best of broadcast. Hope you enjoyed it yesterday. Back with you live again today. We've got a great week of radio ahead. And next week, super excited about. Tell you more about that in a little while. But thanks so much for joining us. 866-34-TRUTH is the number, as always, to call. I was not aware of the concept of new year, new you until Nancy and I had written our book, Breaking the Stronghold of Food. And when we were talking with the publisher about it, they said, well, we'll have it released the beginning of January, that particular year, I guess 2016. And they said, uh, you know, new year, new you. And then I was working out with my trainer, and I told him when the book was coming out, he goes, oh, that's great, new year, new you. So maybe I'd heard the concept here and there, but I didn't, I didn't consciously absorb how many people really think, okay, with the new year, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I, I guess we do, but maybe I'm a little cynical about that over time. I've mean, been at this long enough to think, okay, every day is the same in that respect. And it all depends on how you live your life today in terms of what's going to happen tomorrow. Nonetheless, nonetheless, many, many, many people do look at the new year in a serious way. Many people say, I've got to change and this is a marker. It's a clear marker. Oh, okay. And especially with food-related stuff, because Thanksgiving and Christmas, and you're with family, and, and vacation time, and all that, and lack of discipline, and you think, okay, I've got to make a change, starting with the new year. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you today. And then at the bottom of the hour, I'm going to be joined by Luca Giografoli. I've not spoken with her before. But she has a powerful testimony. She is a former lesbian, now serving the Lord, loving the Lord, with a great testimony. So you'll be encouraged by that. In fact, you can call a friend or text a friend, encourage them to tune in. But let, let's just talk honestly about bringing about change in our own lives. Let's, let's be candid, all right? There, there's, there's no reason to make believe that things are just going to change on their own. There's no reason to simply think, well, I'm going to do the same thing I've always done, but it's going to be different because it's a new year. It's going to be different because I just turned 30. It's going to be different because I just got married. It's going to be different because I just moved. It's going to be, it's going to be different when something changes on the inside of us because the, the environment is going to remain the same. Now, for years, for decades, for almost all of my life, I was an unhealthy eater. I was a poster boy for unhealthy eating, not gluttony, but unhealthy eating. Meaning what? Meaning as a boy, I had four Oreos for breakfast. Yeah, I'd get up in the morning to go to school. My mom, my mom would wake me up and my dad is already out taking the train into New York City. And I remember I'd go downstairs in the kitchen and I would take out four Oreos and I would, the first one I would just eat as is. The second one, I, I took the top off and scraped the cream out. 
and then then ate the outside. The third one, as is, and the fourth one, opened up, scraped the cream out. This is where I remember one, two, three, four, and I go to school. Yeah. Then I'd come home for lunch, and I had a peanut butter sandwich, no jelly. I didn't like jelly. I don't know if they ever tasted jelly, but I decided I didn't like it. And for some reason, I didn't like crust. So my mother would, would cut the crust off for me, and then I would have grape juice. That was my drink, grape juice. And then for dinner, sometimes it was hamburger and fries. Sometimes it would be a modified spaghetti and meatballs, not the real Italian style. Uh, sometimes tuna and noodles for some reason. That was another meal we'd have. Um, and then I'd have a brownie for dessert. Oh, sometimes before dinner, I'd have like a piece of green pepper or cucumber. I liked that, but I always salted it. <laughs> and then you know, some snacks. Oh, when I got home from school, of course, I had pretzels. Pretzels and grape juice or grape drink, whatever it was. So that's, that's where I grew up. When I was in junior high school, every day for lunch, uh, I, I didn't come home for lunch then because the junior high was a little bit further away, middle school, you call it most places today. So for lunch, I would have a hamburger and fries. And then many days for dinner, I would have a hamburger and fries. Yeah. And, and then if I had breakfast, it was the same Oreos. I don't even know if I had breakfast then. And then once I really got turned on to pizza, in my teen years, somewhere past the age of 15, that became my staple diet. And for many years, as I was on the road in sales and things like that, I had pizza for lunch just about every day. And sometimes I'd have it twice in a day. And of course, always chocolate, a couple of times a day at least, peanut M&Ms or something else, sometimes ice cream. So that was just my lifestyle. Even when I was thin in my 20s and super active and all that, Still, that's the way I ate. And every so often, I'd get convicted about my sweets addiction. That was the big thing. I never thought about eating pizza or fries, or burgers, but it's a sweets addiction. So there would be times when I would say, okay, no sweets. Uh, one day a month, I'll have chocolate or something like that. And I, I did that the better part of a year or longer and then went back or nothing at all for a month or two and then go back. So I was a confirmed chocoholic. And I definitely was addicted to these other foods. And that was my lifestyle, friends. So what you have to understand is the, the idea of me now going four and a half years, by God's grace, without eating anything unhealthy, four and a half years of no, no chocolate, no sugar, four and a half years of, of no dairy, four and a half years of no flour, and grilled meat, a little grilled meat, maybe around once a week. The fact that I've done that is a testimony to God's grace, not a testimony to my willpower. It's a testimony to the fact that if you really cry out and do what you know how to do, God will help you. So I went from a high of 275 pounds. I'm a, I'm a big guy. I got away with it a little more than others. You know, most of my friends didn't think I was obese, but I, I definitely was. You ever see like a football player, NFL player, maybe a lineman, so he's, he's overweight and he's wearing like, you know, a sports coat or something like that, this big bulky guy. I, I look more like that, but the fact was I, was I was obese. My blood pressure was as high as 149 over 103. So I weighed 275 pounds. My, my blood pressure is high as 149 over 103. Cholesterol, uh, it got as high as around 230. It was normally around 200, but the problem was, the bigger problem, that the bad was high and the good was low. 
And then on top of that, I had lower back pain all the time. A chiropractor once told me, he said, if you lost 30 pounds, that back pain would go away. And then I had headaches all the time, a good three times a week, maybe more. So I'd just take Advil and work through it. And I was tired a lot. I have an intense schedule. I was working out, traveling around the world, going for it, preaching, writing. Do I, I was going for it. But I was getting more and more worn out. And I had sleep apnea. I'd been diagnosed with that some years earlier, somewhere early 2000s maybe. And even when I was low as 215 pounds, I still had it. And the doctors examined me and said, there's nothing we can do surgically. So you just need to travel with a breathing machine when you're on the road and have one at home. So I did that traveling around the world with a breathing machine. So I'd be in some little hotel in India and trying to find an outlet. It's like, oh, outlets at the other side of the bed. You're going to have to lay the other way in order to plug the thing in. And, you know, that was, that was life. Always taking that extra machine with me and so on. And by God's grace, not by dieting. I don't diet. By God's grace, just taking on a new lifestyle. Nancy helped me immensely. We followed guidelines of Dr. Joel Furman, health guidelines. But not dieting, but changing my relationship to food. In less than eight months, I went from 275 pounds to 180 pounds. Blood pressure went from 149 over 103 down to about 100 over 65. Cholesterol went down to 123 lowest. Maybe it's been around 130-ish. And the, yeah, from high of 230 down to say 123. And the good, where high where it's supposed to be, the bad, low where it's supposed to be. Backache disappeared. Gone. Goodbye. Not there. Not there. The only time I've had back pain is if I strain my back doing something. Uh, but that's been minor and that's been rare. That lower back pain that was there all the time, gone. And headaches. Friends, I have not had a headache in four and a half years. <laughs> that never happened any stretch of time in my life before then. Four and a half years without a headache. My immune system, off the charts better. My energy level, off the charts better. Oh, and I don't need a breathing machine anymore. I went from very severe to very mild, and according to the sleep doctor, permission to ignore. So I don't use a breathing machine. That means when I travel around the world, I don't need to be carrying a breathing machine or trying to plug it in overseas and, you know, overseas flight or something like, and cover my head with a blanket. Don't, don't have to do that. By God's grace. So I, I, God changed my palates. It is true. Your, your, your palate, palate says it, my, my, my taste buds, my palate, singular. It is true that your taste buds will crave what you feed them. So every day when I make a massive salad for dinner, I, I look forward to it. Now, I don't have the same relationship to food that I once did. In other words, it doesn't play the same big role in my life that it used to. And, and by the way, I've stayed pretty much within about 10 pounds of that ideal weight that I hit. I've, I've been pretty much steadily around there. Because if, if you live like this steadily, you're, you're not going to be putting on extra weight. So when I have one of these massive salads for dinner, I mean, it's a ton of food because the, the body wants, it wants bulk. It doesn't want calories. So when I say, so when I make a, a massive dinner salad and everything that I put in there and, and then have the healthiest low fat, low sodium kind of dressing I, I can use in there. And Nancy will make dressings. We've done that in the past as well. But when I'm done with that thing, and then I put a lot of beans in there for protein. I would have paid you. I would have paid you money in the past. I would have paid you money in the past not to eat beans. 
Literally. I would have gladly fasted. Uh, skip that. Don't, just, I don't want it. Now, have a cup and a half of beans in my salad every day. Helps with protein and other things like that. And uh, not only do you get to eat for like 45 minutes because it's, it's so much, but the calories in that are roughly equivalent to the calories in maybe a king-size candy bar, something like that. You just hold in one hand, eat in a few seconds, and you're done with it. Oh, and I had comprehensive blood tests done 11 months ago. Comprehensive, 17 pages worth, done by a friend, a, a well-known medical doctor in California. And I'm off the charts healthy by the grace of God. Category after category after category. If God could help a food wimp like me, a lifelong unhealthy eater, a chocoholic, be encouraged. He can help you too. We'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome back, friends, to the Line of Fire broadcast. So, so listen, to start the new year, we put together a special package for you at a great price as well. It's the book that Nancy and I wrote, We're Breaking the Stronghold of Food, and it's practical, it's full of wisdom. Nancy's contribution far overshadows mine in the book. And then there is a four CD set, and I actually coach you and encourage you on these CDs, how to get started, practical steps to take, how to work things through spiritually. I'm not a nutritionist. Although Nancy has carefully studied nutrition for many years, several decades, she's not a nutritionist. This is not a matter of me giving you medical advice. I'm not qualified to do that. Every so often, every so often, someone will write a note to us asking for medical advice. Uh, Dr. Brown, I'm suffering from less and such symptoms. Do you think it's this or that? And we have to write back and say, we're so sorry, but... We can't dispense medical advice. I'm, I'm not a medical doctor. I'm a PhD doctor. And yeah, my doctoral dissertation was on the, the Hebrew word for healing in its ancient Near Eastern context. Yeah, that's true. But I'm not a medical doctor. So this is not medical advice. It's spiritual, practical advice, down-to-earth, where-we-live advice. So go to my website. The package is available on our website, askdrbrown, A-S-K-D-R-Brown.org. You'll see it right on the homepage. The book plus the four CD sets. So we'll be offering that all this week, obviously for yourself or for friends or loved ones. I, I joke about things. And I say, look, let, let's go back four years in time, four years ago. And I get up and I say to a bunch of Christians, say it on the radio, what's more likely? And it's four, now go back four years. Try to remember back four years. What's more likely? Donald Trump will be the next president of the United States or there'll be a national wave of revival in America. Overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, you would say national wave of revival in America. Overwhelmingly. I, I, very, very few would have said Donald Trump would be the next president four years ago, five years ago. Now, let's take it further. I get up and say, okay, which is more likely? There'll be national revival that sweeps through America 
Or Donald Trump will be the next president of the United States, largely with the help of white evangelicals who will get behind him because he's such a champion of the pro-life movement. (laughs) Right, sure. You'd say overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly national revival in America. Overwhelmingly. Very, very, the tiniest, tiniest, tiniest minority would have seen that other scenario. Now, for everybody who knew me, Everybody who knew me, we go back four or five years, go back five years now. And I say, which is more likely? Donald Trump will be the next president of the United States, largely with the help of white evangelicals who will vote for him because of his strong pro-life support. Or I will become the poster boy for healthy eating. Everybody would have said, oh, that's easy. Trump. In other words, that's how unlikely it is that I'm sitting here as a champion for healthy eating and encouraging you that you too can break the stronghold of food. This is the only day of the week I'm going to be talking about this, but I want to encourage you, whether it's in the area of food, so our our book in particular with the CDs will help, whether it's another area where you want to change. Let me encourage you to do this. Don't try to change everything at once. Don't look at everything that's wrong. Focus on one thing. Focus on one specific thing, and then take one specific step to bring that to pass. Don't be all over the place. Don't think, okay, I got to get my prayer life deeper. I got to be nicer to the kids. I got to work harder on my job. I, I got to I gotta read the word more. I got to witness more. I, I got to fast more. I got to start, uh, well, yeah, giving more. And, and then, of course, get change my diet and then abandon time and get rid of that. And you, you, you're probably not going to get anything done with that kind of attitude. It's, it's admirable to recognize lots of areas that want to change. I think we can all relate to that. But what's the biggest area? What's the key area? What's, what's the first area where you're, where you're willing to take steps? You got to take a step. You say, I, I don't, I know I need to change, but I don't want to. My first step is get alone with God and say, God, I'm going to be totally honest. I know this is wrong in my life. I know this relationship with wrong is wrong. I know this lifestyle is wrong. I know I shouldn't have this addiction. I know it's wrong. I know I should change, but I, I don't want to. I need help. Start there. Start there with honesty. Here, rather than make endless excuses and think that those excuses are so powerful, remember, the excuses you make seem so powerful to you when someone else makes the same excuses to you. You're like, are you kidding me? It's the lamest thing I've ever heard. Trust me, I've, I've done that very thing. So rather than make excuses, be honest with God. Let's say it comes to food. God, I have to confess I'm a food addict. God, I have to confess I'm a glutton. Nancy said it right out. Yeah, I'm a glutton. And, 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 I'll say it right out. I had lifelong unhealthy eating habits and, and was addicted to certain foods. Better to be honest about it. God knows anyway. And, and reality is reality. It's like you can avoid the scale. You can avoid putting certain clothes on. You can avoid certain things. It doesn't change reality, does it? No. So start with reality. Start with being honest and take whatever step you know how. Now, for me, it was a matter of cold turkey. I came to Nancy on August 23rd. I had been crying out to God for months. Little did I know she had been crying out to God for months. She was especially concerned about my health, knowing that the way I lived was just a ticking time bomb. With high blood pressure and the way I lived, I was playing with fire. I knew it was unwise to live the way I lived, but much more, I just, I knew I needed to change. I, I, I knew from my gospel witness, I felt before the Lord, the discipline I live with needs to be manifest and evident. So I was crying out. She had been crying out. She had been praying, God, give me creative ideas for Mike. Give me creative ideas so I could, I could think of things that, that he would want to try to eat because I, I was a food wimp. 
I hardly ate any different foods for decades. Even traveling around the world served all kinds of things. Actually, I did try to find out a way of eating it. Unless it was some village in India where the, the gospel was at stake. And you just had to eat what was set before you. I was a food, a food wimp. I said for years, I, I would rather, I would rather face an angry, hostile, potentially violent crowd than try new foods. And I lived that out. I practiced what I preached. Trust me, I lived that out, the good and the bad. So she had been praying. So I came to her August 23rd of 2014, and I said to her, my plan is not working. My plan is not working. In other words, the way I've been living, trying to incremental change here, cut down on peanut MMs here, not, not have Ben & Jerry's chocolate ice cream here, have less pizza there, it, it wasn't working. And, and for years, I tried to, you know, cut down on fried foods, cut down on red meat, cut down on cheese content a little, you know, try to cut back here, cut back a little bit. It did not, it wasn't working. In fact, I was getting heavier. My blood pressure was getting higher. So I came to her and it was code. She, we've had these discussions in the past. I said, my plan is not working. And, and remember, I'm traveling around the world. Shortly after I came to her in August, I had to be in Singapore, then I had to be in Hungary. Then I had to be in India. Then I had to be in Malaysia. And then other stateside travel. How in the world are you possibly going to carry out healthy living with all these different locations and travel and on and on and on? I said to her, my plan is not working. She said, only eat what I give you. In other words, nothing passes your lips. No food passes your lips without my approval. I said, all right, I need to do it. Trust me, this was like, this this was completely completely impossible for me. Not a possibility of a chance, but God gave grace and I recognized it. So for me, it was cold turkey, three miserable days of withdrawal. It was harder for me to give up chocolate than to give up heroin. God is my witness. God as my witness. And on the third day, really prayed and cry out and God helped. And then the breakthroughs and the addictions came. Then it was a matter of, of changing my mindset changing my mentality uh, and how I related to food. Food was my built-in reward at the end of a long day of preaching, go to the hotel room and eat what I want to eat. You know, on long flights, eat what I want to eat at the airport, eat what I want to eat, special this, eat what I want to eat. It was my reward. So I had to reprogram my, my thinking. And Nancy was sending me encouragement every day and testimonies every day from others who had transformed their lives through healthy eating and pictures and things like that. And, and getting all the food prepared and telling me, eat this, only this, and so on. And then when I traveled, we planned. and, and had a, I remember going to Singapore. I, I, I brought my luggage. They said, you're over. I said, but no, I have this you know, status. It's sorry, you're over. And I had to pay $250 for luggage. But it was worth it because it, it was part of the lifestyle change. And I had to be consistent, even if it was costly in those days. And who has an extra $250 to spend on luggage? It's not like I just had that, but there's no choice. Bottom line is, now it's, it's just, it's normal, it is normal. Thanksgiving, I can be around everybody and they're having all the meals. I'm happy with my salad. Everybody, you know, maybe on a vacation, people eating this or that's, I'm good. I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm blessed and my life is overflowing. So when I re- once I recognized God was helping me, I thought, don't, don't mess with this. It's almost like, you know, you flap your wings and you start flying. It's like, don't, don't question it. Just keep flying. Well, that's, that's what happened with me. Flap your arms. We don't have, we don't have wings. 
So once I recognized God's grace had kicked in and I was being supernaturally helped, I thought, okay, don't mess with this. And I've been amazed. I don't boast about my willpower. I don't boast about my strength. I don't boast about my discipline. I boast about the Lord strength out of my weakness. Yes, I'm disciplined in many areas of life. Yes, I, I'm a hard worker in the Lord, but I boast in the grace of God, especially when it comes to food transformation. So friends, I said all that to you to say, if he could help me, he could help you. There's no favoritism in God. Same grace he gave you, he'll give me. So get hold of the book and the CDs where we coach you along. I think you'll be blessed, encouraged, share it with friends, new year, new you. When we come back, I'm going to speak with a woman who has a testimony far more profound than food transformation. You don't want to miss this. Stay right here. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, welcome to the new year. Everyone just joining us now. Happy, blessed 2019 to you. And I, I went to sign a check today, 2019. And normally when you get into a new year, you're, you're, thinking old, if you're putting the date on something, you're getting the last year's date, but immediately it really kind of felt like 219, 2019 was, was here and upon us. Maybe we're eager to get out of the last year into the new, but speaking about new, I want to encourage you with the power of the gospel to transform lives. I want to encourage you with the power of the gospel to change us from the inside out. And you may be listening now, you may be watching online, and you're saying, but it's just like the core of my being is not right, or there's things so deep-seated in me that need change. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the one who transforms. I'm looking at before and after pictures here of Luca Joe Grappoli. We've never met, we've never talked, but one of my friends and colleagues began to share some of her testimony with us. And we thought, well, what a great way to start the year with this testimony. So, Luca, great to have you on the air. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Dr. Brown. How are you doing? Doing very well. And, and where are you right now as we speak? I'm in Minnesota. Minnesota. Okay. So, Luca, I know very little about your background. Your testimony was so highly recommended to me by a friend. I thought, well, let's let's go ahead and do this. So... Some of our viewers just saw a before and after picture of you, others listening on radio or just hearing your voice. But let's let's take us back. Tell the story to our listeners, what they need to know about who you were and who you are. And I'll dive in and ask you more questions along the way, but start wherever you want to start. Okay. Um, well, uh, you know, being a, a, a person who was sexually molested by a family member and his friends for a couple of years, uh, it really left a mark on my life and brought me to a place of, the, of a misbelief that girls were going to be victims and men were abusers, I felt that, um, you know, I, I subconsciously made a choice that if being a girl meant being a victim, I can't live that. I, I didn't mm. want that. So uh, 
I know uh, I told my family there wasn't any protection. Um, it never got dealt with. And so it, I realized it was up to me to take care of myself. And I think subconsciously I decided um, do, do something to make yourself, you know, be safe. And, and, and how, how old were you when the abuse was taking place? I was about 10, 11 years old when it started. So your, your story is similar, sadly, to what others have shared, that when they went to their parents, their parents didn't believe them. It's not that the parents were bad parents as much as they just didn't trust what the kid was saying. What, what, what happened when you went to your folks and told them what was going on? Uh, I recall getting him getting grounded for a day or two, but that was, I don't recall it going on anything after that. So um, there wasn't any keeping me safe. There wasn't any protection from that, nothing to prevent it from happening again. All right, so, so as, you, as you look back, subconsciously, you made a certain decision. So did, when you were 10, 11, were you conscious of like being attracted to boys, or was that just not quite there yet? Not quite there yet. Well, I had a little crush on Donny Osmond. I do have to say that. Uh, I remember uh-huh. his <laughs> album, and I oh, Donny. Um, yeah, so I did have an attraction to, uh, to a male before, you know, I grew into puberty. All right, so so now you, you've you've subconsciously you've you've made this decision about if this is what it means to be a woman being a victim, then you're not going to be a woman. So what happens now is as you come into puberty and you begin to develop as a young woman, what what's going on in your life? Well, so um, you know, I really had it. My spirit was broken. Okay. Um, I, I, I couldn't, I, I learned to detach from myself and learn separated from myself. I started to wear my brother's clothes one day, and when I looked at myself with his clothes on, I felt different, okay? Mm. I, I felt strong. I felt powerful. I didn't feel like when I looked in the mirror at myself, I felt very weak and very ashamed, and I couldn't deal seeing myself, with seeing myself, so... The dressing in my brother's clothes really was a help for me to not feel like a total, total disgrace and pig um, for being molested. The, the worst thing is my body responded to his touch, and that really left a mark on me. That really destroyed the center of who I was, you know, thinking there's something wrong with you. So as I grew into puberty, I realized I'm, I need love. I felt like I needed love. I didn't know where I was going to get that love, but I knew that when I felt when I dressed like a boy, that there was a different feeling in me. And so I began to dress more and more in boys' clothes and found a way to meet girls and to start to portray myself as a boy to them. And um, I got away with it. I got away with it for many years, pretending to be a boy. And however, that just started to bring out more and more rage and more anger in me and um, hostility. So, so let, let me let me ask this then, Luca. As as you are now living this this life mm-hmm. as as a boy, as a male, and presenting yourself like that to to girls, mm-hmm. were were you thinking of yourself as a a male? Were you thinking of yourself as a lesbian who liked to identify as a, as a boy? I was thinking of myself as a woman trapped. I felt like I was a man trapped in a woman's body. That's how it felt. I felt like, you know, and I, more than that, I felt like I just didn't want this body because it betrayed me. I didn't want anything to do with it. It hurt me. It responded to my brother touching me, and that, it, that hurt me. 
and so I didn't want it. I rejected it. Mm. Does that make so, sense? Yeah, yeah. That that makes as you're explaining it, I think it helps a lot of people understand some some of the conflict and and you know a lot of times people just think well sexual abuse of a child be it a sibling be it an adult is these are bad mark and but it really messes with people i'm no expert in this as a psychologist but i've heard from enough people heard their testimonies and stories to realize it messes with kids in so many different ways Mm -hmm. potentially so so this is explaining it so if your female body responded to something that was that wrong, well, then your female body is betraying you yeah. and it's not safe. So now, now dress up in boys' clothes and feel more at home with yourself. So you're identifying now as, as a, a boy trapped in a girl's body or as a man trapped in a woman's body. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the transgender movement anything that you had heard of at that point or sex change surgery? Were these things that you heard about or any possible options at that time? Nothing. I, I just thought there was, I was really the only person like that. I was very strange, odd. Um, I didn't connect. I didn't relate to anybody. Uh, my family did end up taking me to the program in human sexuality at the University of Minnesota some years later because they started to see something's wrong with me, right? Mm-hmm. And they, you know, put me through a battery of tests. Um, they're also the also funded by the Kinsey Institute, by the way. Um, Got it. Okay, so they, I went through a, a series of tests, MMPI and a few others, and they concluded that I had a gender dysphoria. And I said, well, what is that? And they said, that's when your hormones and your chromosomes don't match. And basically they're telling me God made a mistake. So I said, well, what am I to do about this? And they said, most people end up killing themselves, or you can have a sex change. And I thought, well, that's perfect, because I don't like this. I don't like my body. I hate it. I don't want anything to do with it. So a sex change seemed like a great alternative. It's a great escape. Little did I know at that point that God was the answer for me. You know. So, how, Luca, how old were you at, at this point? How, how long were you living like this? And then how old were you when you went in for these exams? So 11 or 10 or 11, the abuse started. 17 is when I started to go to the University of Minnesota. And 46 is when I met the Lord. So I lived from about uh, 17, 18, 18 full-time, pretending to be a man, uh, until um, about 32, I quit dressing as a man and started to live my life as a lesbian. So at 46, that's when everything changed. All right, so you, and if you don't mind me asking, how old are you now? 54. Okay. So, uh, friends, for for those who are thinking, well, just a little, you know, she had feelings for a little while. This was came and went. No, you're you're talking about something dominating a life for a period of roughly thirty five years, and in a very very major, undeniable way for for uh, twenty plus years. Do you remember how old you were when they recommended sex change surgery? Oh, I was about eighteen years old. So you were 18. okay. You were th- you were that young at that point. And uh, uh, you said it seemed like an answer to you. So what did you do when they presented that option to you? Well, they said uh, in order for me to have the sex change, I first had to live in the role of the opposite sex full time. Right. So I got my name changed to Travis and Sanchelli, and then I got a job and worked and presented myself to the world as a male. They accepted me as a male. My family accepted that. Um, 
and and then you know that's after that then for seven if you live that way for seven years then you're qualified to now have um, hormone treatment and mm-hmm. then that's two years of hormone treatment after that then you qualify for a sex change got it so w- within that time you ended up just identifying as a, as a lesbian instead uh, at about 30 then I identified as got a it lesbian. but yeah. until that I was identifying as a man um, but I never went further with the hormone treatment. I never went into clearly into the sex change. I just something always stopped me at that. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I just always felt something in me wasn't right about this having a sex change. I couldn't identify it. I didn't know what it was. I just always felt like don't go further than here. Wow. Yeah. Thank, yeah. It's definitely God's mercy along the way, Luca, and you know. Nowadays, when you talk about the seven years living a certain way and then two years hormones, etc., I mean the process is a, is a whole lot faster than that in in many places. And uh, you know now the kids at the earliest ages are being encouraged to dress differently and live differently and identify as the sex opposite of their biological sex. So I'm looking here at, at your picture before and after, and before it says on the right, this picture on the right getting my mug shot during one of my many arrests. And then the one on the left, smiling broadly after meeting Jesus. So Luke, when we come back, uh, let's talk about where your life hit bottom and the arrests and what Jesus has done in you, how he's done it and what he's done. I, I, I want to major on that when we come back. Friends, maybe you have a friend or loved one, or maybe you yourself struggling with gender confusion, struggling with same-sex attraction, If God did this for Luca, he can do it for you. Stay right here. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. I'm speaking with Luca Grappoli, former transgender, former lesbian, now enjoying new life and freedom in Jesus. Uh, Luca, what did what'd you get arrested for? Domestic assault. How'd that happen? <laughs> well, it happened a lot. Um, I was very angry because of... Uh, because of life happening to me, um, all of the abuse and um, not feeling protected, and it just you know, I started to get involved in the in the occult a little bit, and um, just a lot of anger was in me because nothing was right in me. My insides was just always in a constant turmoil. I never felt like I was fit anywhere. You know, it was like a piece of puzzle, always trying to, you know, when you're trying to do a puzzle and you're like, does it fit here? Does it fit here? Does it fit here? I didn't fit anywhere, and it caused just constant strife in me. Yeah. So and... that came out as, you know, um, I, I was controlling, I was angry, I was mean. If Because my life was so out of control, I had to control other people so I could have some sort of control. Got it. Yeah. So... How do you come to know Jesus, and what has he done in your life? Oh, Lord. (laughs) Um, You know, I was living with a woman in love with, and uh, when I moved 
in with her, she let me know that I needed to go to church, um, and which I found to be a little ironic. But So I thought, well, it meant keeping the girl for me, so I'll go. I don't care. You know, God didn't really matter to me whatsoever, one way or another. Uh, so I went to church, and my first day there, um, I felt something going on in my heart. And there was like this pulling sensation of a rope attached to me that was pulling me up for prayer. And I, I I can't stop this. And so I nudged her and I said, what's happening to me? And she said, God's calling you. You need to go get prayer. So I went all right, all right. So, so hang, hang on. I just got to jump in here mm-hmm. because because obviously the irony of all this is, is, mm-hmm. is jumping out. Yeah. So you're living with another woman. Mm-hmm. You believe you're in love with each other. Mm-hmm. You're living. So you are both living as lesbians, mm-hmm. but she's a church going lesbian who encourages you to go to church mm-hmm. and then recognizes the Holy Spirit working in your life. Mm-hmm. How do you sort that out? Well, uh, it, was very, it was a very hard process for me. Um, you know, I, I, all I know is God was loving me. That's all I know. You know, I don't know how to sort that out. All I know is God can use anybody he wants to. Yeah. Um, and, so, so from her perspective... God was calling you to salvation. She wasn't thinking God is calling you also to holiness. She's just mm-hmm. thinking God is wants to save you the same way she thought she was saved. And mm-hmm. okay, and so you can both follow Jesus and go to church together and live as lesbians. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, oh, okay, that yeah, that's that's my my take from a mm-hmm. distance. All right, so what happens then? God's working in your life. Your lesbian partner tells you that the Holy Spirit, God is calling you. What happens? So I went up for prayer. And something happened to me. They prayed for me. I, I just, I hit the ground. I melted to the floor, and I, I kept crying. I couldn't stop this crying. It was a, a different cry. It was like a really deep, releasing cry. And mm. it went on for about what I felt like twenty minutes, and I couldn't get up. And when I was able to finally get up, I felt like like someone took a backpack off of me. I suddenly mm-hmm. I felt light, and I couldn't explain why. I didn't know what happened. I just went home and went, well, okay, that was interesting. And then um, God started to work on my life in, in the process. It took me two years to come out of the lifestyle once I started going to church. But, um, you know, he... <laughs> There was a moment when I remembered looking down at my girlfriend's hands when we were watching a movie together, and I looked at our, our hands together, and I said, and I thought to myself, why am I holding a woman's hand? I'm mm. a woman, and I'm created for man. And I thought, why am I having this thought? And I couldn't understand what was going on, but God just kept revealing himself to me, and every time I would go to church, I just felt this Oh, Dr. Brown, it was like a, a such a spirit of conviction, like um, my life at home wasn't, suddenly it started to not match up. My mm-hmm. life at home and my life at church didn't match, and I started to feel like a hypocrite, and I thought, my God, something's got to change. I don't know what to do about this. And then my pastor started talking about, um, he who holds on to his life will lose it, and he who loses it for my sake will find it. And I thought, what does this mean? And God just started to deal with me, and he showed me that I don't have to live this way, you know? And mm. that I have better for you. Do you want this, you know? It was a, it was a do you want this sort of a, a, a moment where I knew it was like the rubber met the road, and I thought, i got to make a decision, you know? Pastor was talking about weighing the cost, and I thought, i got to weigh the cost. 
so, if I so, hold on to my life, I could end up in hell. If mm. I don't, I could. If I give my life to the Lord, then I have eternal freedom and and know that I'm going to be with Him in the end. So it was a very hard decision, and I was very pressed, and it was really a hard choice for me to make. But once I realized that the only choice was to fix my eyes on Jesus and give Him my life, what? Who cares about what's over there? I'm going this way, and what He yeah. has for me is better. Yeah, that's that's the gospel for every human being. The same, right. whoever, whoever the person is, male, female, gay, straight, young, old, Hindu, Buddhist, Muslim, Jew, atheist, right. same gospel, same message, same truth. So you're actually in a, you're, you're a friend and brought you to, to a gospel preaching church, in other words? Yeah, Pentecostal church. And that's where she was going. So it wasn't like a, a gay affirming, nope. liberal kind of church. That okay, so that explains why the Holy Spirit was working. Again, it makes it odd that she was going there. So, at, just really quickly, what happened to her as you're coming under conviction and telling her? How does she respond? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I can, I'm not at liberty to say what it was like okay. to her, but I know um, that my life is a testimony. Got um, it. Got it. Uh, en- enough said. All yeah. right. So God works in you. His conviction deepens over a two-year period, you're changed. So, so now, it's the rest of your life now. It's your, it's your new life now. It's the liberty you have in Jesus. We've just got a couple minutes, but tell everyone listening right now, what has Jesus done in your life? Who are you now? What, what kind of life are you enjoying in the Lord? Um, well, I'm a missionary, um, to, and, uh, mainly to Israel. I, I love Israel and the Jewish people, but... Um, uh, also in Minnesota here, I'm more local now, staying right here in the Twin City area. But uh, I, I just fell in love with the Lord, that love that I never had, I found in mm. Him. And He just became my everything. Um, I, I, My heart is just overfilled with joy with Him, and what I have with Him is so much greater than anything I could ever have anywhere. I, I don't know why I would... I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to have this. It's, I feel like my whole life I ate hot dogs, and all of a sudden somebody introduced me to filet mignon. You know, why would anybody want to go back? Jesus has everything that we need, and all we have to do is say yes. There's a, there's a freedom in Him. There's such a, there's such a. Uh, he's so tender and so kind and so loving. He will never push you. He just says, "Come to me, beloved." Come to me. Let me love you. And in him loving us, we're able to release and say, I trust you, Abba. I trust you. Yeshua is good, and we can let go of all of our fears and anxiety, but we have to know he's good, and we, we can trust him. Yeah. Boy, that, I mean, that is the truth of new life. In fact, I remember as a teenager, heavy drug user for a couple of years, meeting the Lord, when my friends were asking me about transformation and why I wasn't doing drugs, the only way I could explain it is that I've been eating dog food all my life and now I mm. tasted steak. So similar, similar analogy. Yeah. And, and uh, it, it doesn't matter. I'm not asking about marriage or anything like that or plans, but do you now feel at home just in your own body? Are, are you, do you live without the sense of deep conflict that you live with all those years? I do. I, I feel such a peace inside of me. Um, I have no... There's no more strife. There's no mm. fighting. There's no. It's, I just ninety nine percent of the time I'm just seriously overjoyed. Anybody who knows me sees <sighs> that I, I I just am in love with the Lord. I love His ways, and there's there's.
there's a night and day difference. I, I, I have total freedom. I have absolutely nothing in life to worry about. Thank you, Jesus. He's got yeah, it that's all. yeah. Knowing Him is eternal life. Yes. N- knowing Him is the very meaning and essence of life, and and in Him is fullness of peace and and fullness of joy in the midst of trial, test, mm-hmm. and and if if you're maybe you're watching now and you're a skeptic or you think that nobody changes like this. Can I just ask you a question? Yeah. Why? And, and I'm Luke, I'm, I'm asking everyone else right now that's listening and viewing. Why would this woman lie to herself? You know, you, it's not like she's on the payroll of some ministry and she's going around the world and getting paid to give a testimony. You're hearing it right from the source. She, she knows the life she lived. And friend, if you want me to believe your story, when you tell me your battles, hey, I'm telling you, believe Luca's story because she's telling you firsthand. And, and you don't need to be a psychologist or psychiatrist to say, this woman's speaking the truth. This woman is a changed woman. This woman is a free woman. Luca, you've put hope in the hearts of many. You've put encouragement in the hearts of many. And you have really glorified Jesus. He shines through you as you speak. If folks want to find out more or be in contact with you, what's the best way to do that? Um, I have a Facebook page called Over the Rainbow. Luca Got Rainbow, it. So they can contact me there if you're struggling, if you want to talk, if you have questions. But it's seriously, it, it's nothing I could have done on my own. Yeah. God's Holy Spirit moved in. He moved in with his full power. All yes. I said was yes. And you That's can't it. do that without it. That is the power of the gospel. Luca, thanks so much for enriching us and glorifying the Lord today. God bless you and you continue on your journey. God bless. Amen.